Saints, my name is Lucy Natalia Morris and welcome to the Called But Chosen podcast. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about brokenness and what it means to die to our flesh. I was reading a book. I've been reading this book now for a few years. I never really was able to finish it. And the reason why I wasn't able to finish it because it was so true that it bothered me. I couldn't finish it. I started reading this book back in 2016 and I just picked it up again and started reading it because I want to make my walk with Christ a bit stronger. And I realized back then that I wasn't interested in doing that. And so I couldn't finish the book. And the book was filled with so much truth that my spirit, like, I, my flesh, not my spirit, because my spirit wanted me to read it, but my flesh was in denial. And pretty much everything that was in the book was true. And I couldn't bear it, so I put it down. But I started reading it again, and I started studying it again. And honestly, it hits different. The first time didn't work out, but I'm happy now that I was able to pick it up again and read it, and it really hit differently. And I wanted to share that with you guys today in this episode. And I will link the book in the info card. So wherever you're listening to this um, episode, in the information or description box, you'll find the link to the book. So you guys can read it as well. Because it's a very, very good and um, very good book. So I'm going to link it down and you guys can check it out. But basically, we're going to be talking about brokenness today. What it means to die to our flesh. I really don't have to really go into detail about how our world is set up today. Um, Humility is out the window. Nobody really cares. I mean, our humility is more so surface humility. It's more so how you react in a certain instance. It's not a lifestyle. In the Christian, in our Christian faith, in our Christian communities, there's not much of humility anymore. It's more of boasting. It's more of spiritual arrogance. It's more of biblical knowledge and um, people claiming to be biblical scholars and arguing and defending what they see to be true. No one experiences the the Holy Spirit anymore. No one want, no one wants to connect with the Holy Spirit anymore. No one talks about crucifying your flesh and edifying your spirit. No one talks about growing and developing your relationship with Christ. No one even talks about the fruits of the spirit anymore. No one talks about, you know, the special gifts, the seven gifts of the spirit. We don't talk about that anymore. We talk about surface Christianity. We talk about prosperity. We talk about what makes us feel good and what makes other people feel good. And then we deceive others into thinking that all you have to do is just Give your life to Christ and that's it. Everything else is under grace. I want to talk about brokenness today because it is very important that as a Christian, as a born-again Christian, that we are broken. God cannot use things that are not broken. He cannot use things that still have life inside of them. So we're going to talk about brokenness. And if you, this is your first time hearing this word, or maybe you've heard it, heard it before and never really had an understanding of what the context of the word means, I just, we're going to dive into So when Jesus died on the cross, he overcame Satan. That's the foundation of our faith, right? So when we as Christians, when we are not on the cross, Satan is able to touch us. 
Do you guys draw the correlation here? When Jesus died on the cross, he overcame Satan. When we as Christians are not on the cross, Satan is able to touch us. Sometimes we may have our left hand on the cross on the cross, and our right hand is out in the world dangling somewhere. Sometimes our right foot may be on the cross and our left foot is dangling out somewhere. Sometimes our entire body is on the cross, but our head is probably dangling somewhere. The only part of our nature that can be accessible to the enemy for him to do what he wants is the part that hasn't been crucified on the cross. So that's what it means to be broken. Brokenness means that we have crucified all our flesh, all our sinful nature. We have crucified it to the cross. And once we have crucified it to the cross, we are no longer given the enemy any parts to take an advantage of us. We have crucified ourselves to the cross and we're following Jesus so that we may live in, by, and for him truthfully. If you guys don't believe me, let us look at Galatians 5 verse 24. I'll be reading from the New King's James Version. Galatians 5.24 reads, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let us also look at Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Let us look at Galatians 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer lo- it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let us look at John chapter 12 verse 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Let us look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 31. I affirm, by the boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. All these scriptures have one thing in common, and it is telling us to die to our flesh so that we'll be able to follow Christ. Jesus cannot use unbroken things. Because unbroken things come with so many sinful, sinfulness. It comes with so many worldly things that is unholy and not pure. But once we have crucified those desires and those fleshly wants, we are able to really follow Christ and he can use us. So let us dive deeper into what brokenness is. 
Let us look at Psalms 34 verse 18. New King James Version. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Let us also look at Psalm 51 verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. These scriptures are telling us another message. They're telling us that brokenness is a qualification and a requirement for being near to God. And the key word here in both of these scriptures is broken. Broken. God cannot use something that is not broken. Our God is a holy God. He is a pure God. And so if we are coming to him with all these sinful things, we still have flesh as the forefront. He can't he can't he can't do anything with that. He can't use that. But when we come to him in spirit and in truth with a broken and a contrite heart, he will not despise us. I want us to also look at Acts chapter 2 verse 17. Because there's a promise in that scripture that we haven't tapped into yet. Acts chapter 2 verse 17 reads, And this shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Why is it that so many of us as young people we are spiritually powerless. This scripture is offering us a promise. It is telling us that we have been promised to see visions and to prophesy. But why is it that in our generation, we are unable to do this? We are spiritually powerless. We are not able to see visions. We're not able to prophesy. I believe the reason why we're unable to do some of these things is because we are not broken. We have not crucified our flesh to the cross. We're still trying to fit in with the worldly with with all the world, worldliness that is going on and we're not broken. Our flesh is still in the forefront. Our flesh is still the powerhouse. God is offering us here a very very powerful tool here. He's telling us that we are able to see visions. We can prophesy. We can see things and say this will happen in the name of Jesus and it will happen. He's telling us that before something happens, we are able to see them. But as Christians in this young generation, that is not of importance to us. And some of us, it's not only ignorance, some of us don't even know because we are being led away. We're being led away by the wolves in sheep clothing. They're not teaching us these things. They're teaching us feel-good sermons. They're teaching us prosperity. They're teaching us false doctrines. And most of us, we're probably aware of this, but because we're so captivated by the world and what the world has to offer, such as horoscopes, what our chart says, what our sign says, what the stars say about us, 
when we literally here in Acts 2 verse 17 have the power to do all of these things spiritually that is of greater essence, but we haven't tapped into it yet because we're not broken. As a Christian, we have to grow every day spiritually. We don't just receive the free gift of salvation and then the work is over. The day our life experiences brokenness is the day that our spiritual life will begin to revive. So with all the talk that, um, and I will say talk because it's not, it's not fully true. With all the talk and all the, the made-up doctrines that a lot of these people are preaching that um, salvation is, yes, it's a free gift and that's all you need and you'll make it to heaven. You can do whatever you want. Nowhere in my Bible does it say that salvation is all you need. All you need is salvation and that's it. The Bible has scripture after scripture after scripture I would provide almost every scripture that you need from my Bible that says that we have work to be done. But because I don't want to make this long, I'll save it for what it is right now. Go and search your Bible very well. God has instructions for us. There's literally levels to this. There's so much work that we have to get done for us to really truly be used by God. We want to see a God that is holy, that is that is just, that is pure. But we can't just come to him in any manner. I usually like to make references of the royal family because in our society, they are of you know high caliber and high profile. And there are dignitaries, even our president. You can't just go to the, the royal palace. You can't just go to the White House. And say you're, you want to see the president or the king and the or the queen and just be dressed anyhow, right? You have to, you know, make sure that you are dressed appropriately and decent and presentably. You're, you're well-mannered and well-behaved. And you present in yourself that way because you're meeting someone that's of a high status. You know what I mean? The same way with our God. Yes, we do receive salvation as a free gift. But that's not just all it is. We have to make sure make sure that we are developing ourselves. We are growing ourselves. Our God is the most important being in this entire world and beyond. And so we just can't come to him anyhow and feel comfortable. We can't just stay as a baby Christian and just be okay with that. There's so much. The Bible says there's fullness of joy with God. There's so much more that we can experience with God. But we're just stuck in just one level and we don't want to grow. We just want to stay in that level. How can he be able to use us? How can all the visions and all the prophecies and all the things that he has planned for us, how can they come to pass when we're not even do? We're, we're barely doing it. We're just comfortable in that one area. Let's take it our lives, for example. When we start going to school in elementary school, I'm sure we look forward to the day to go to middle school and high school and graduate college and then get a job and then, you know, work hard, 
make more money growing that job you know make sure we climb up in our profession maybe go back and get our masters maybe even go back and get phd depending on what area you're studying we want to grow every day in our lives babies babies grow they start at one day old and then they grow to one month old and then they grow to one year and then two years three years and then before you know it they're 13 then they're 18 then they're 21 so with everything in life like the bible says there's a season with everything in life there's growth that that takes place nothing just doesn't want to stay at one place and that's the same way we should think about it when it comes to our spiritual life and our walk with god please do not listen to these people these these false prophets out there get into your bible and start using your bible your our bible is a very powerful tool everything every question that we have it is written in our bible we just really have to ask the holy spirit to really open our eyes james verse one james chapter one verse five says if we lack wisdom and understanding let us ask our father who freely gives and he will give it unto us we really need to get into the world and act in the word and ask God to open our eyes so we can really see the true meaning of 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 our lives and see what it truly means to be in God and to follow God and to die to our flesh. We have to get a greater understanding. So we have to grow every day. Now, I want us to look at some areas where in um I want us to look at some areas wherein we have to apply brokenness and some areas wherein, you know, brokenness has literally left the picture. I want us to look at some of those areas wherein brokenness cannot take place until we sacrifice those areas. Number one, self-glorification. As born-again Christians, we have to understand that all glory belongs to God. Everything here that we do on earth, we could not have possibly done it with our human nature. Everything was done by God. And so all glory belongs to him. Nothing here warrants us anything. God gave all of these things to us as a free gift. And so all the self-glorification, all the knowledge that you feel like you have acquired, all the, the the prestige that we feel like we have over ourselves that that makes us better than other people the social classes none of that is by our doing so all glory belongs to god now I'm under that area of self-glorification that we need to be broken that we need to crucify is justifying ourselves we have to come to the point where we have to say not me but christ not me, but Christ. And we can't just look at just justifying our ourselves. We look at, let's look at rebellion. You know, we're told to not do something and we do it. We always want to stand up for what is what is right when something is done against us. With the littlest form of criticism, we are so... We want to show that we have power and we have control and we cannot be toiled with. We have to crucify that area. Another area of self um, of self that we need to give up is our selfish attitudes and our self-arrogance. Thinking that we know better than everyone else. You know, just because you went and got a theologian scholarship or certification does not mean that you are better than somebody else. 
it doesn't mean even though yes it is because you have biblical knowledge it doesn't mean that you are better than somebody else who maybe just started reading their bible today because i know a lot of christians who like to use that to show that they're more superior than somebody else they would argue to the core and defend you know to the core that's not of god that's not of christ Christ never argued. He never defended. He said what he had to say, and that was it. So, yeah, we have to give up those selfish attitudes, the self-arrogance, the pride. You know, we don't even take godly correction from anybody anymore. Nobody is able to correct us lovingly with with a scriptural um, reference. Nobody can even do that anymore. And we feel personally attacked. I'm telling you, somebody must have clicked out of this message within the first 10 minutes because they felt like like they don't need to hear this. So we really have to sacrifice those areas. We have to crucify them. Another area of self that we must that must be broken is lack of self-control. We no longer have self-control and the one area that we have we don't have self-control anymore is with our mouth, with our tongue. As Christians, it's so sad to see that we're the ones that are cursing. We're the ones that are saying all kinds of things. We're the ones that are lying and and gossiping and doing all kinds of things with our tongue. It's so sad to see. We have no discipline, even as far as with the things that we watch, with the things that we do and how we spend our time. We are comfortable with watching the same things that the people of the world watch. We are so comfortable in doing We There's no more con- uh, control. There's no more self-control. We indulge in everything. So we have to really crucify that area of our lives. Another area of our life that... Um, has to be broken another area that shows that we are broken is by our submissiveness and our obedience so if god is telling you not to do something and you keep doing it for me in the last episode i talked about immodest clothes and immodest dressing and how god was telling me for a long time to cover up and to stop wearing that like don't wear that and i wouldn't listen not brokenness so for sure, I can say that I was unbroken in that area. Another area is, you know, God is telling you to be respectful. God is telling you to, you know, yeah, be be respectful, especially within our young generation. I It's sad when I come up on videos and I see like, especially like news clips, you have young kids that are disrespectful, so disrespectful to elders, have no respect for anybody with the things that they say and the things that they do, no respect whatsoever. And sometimes us as Christian, we can be so disrespectful. We really have to sacrifice and crucify that area to the cross. Brokenness means that we are meek and that we love others. You know, let's look at cows and sheep in like cold countries in cold countries, people who have farms, I'm using this as an example with the sheeps, when it's really, really cold, they will all gather together and keep themselves warm. And when the shepherd comes and he is instructing them to, you know, go back into wherever they keep them, they all gather together, they're warm together, and they go. Wherever the shepherd tells them to go, they would go. But on in like a cow farm, 
you see the cows all spread apart, trying to make themselves one, try to keep the, they all have like spaces between themselves. They're all to themselves. They, they're trying to keep themselves where they don't listen. They're all about themselves. And that's a perfect example. Brokenness means that we love others. It means that we are meek. It means that we are willing to, you know, we're kind and we're willing to sometimes give up our, we're willing to sometimes give up our possessions to help somebody else who will be in need. And that sounds very simple, but trust me, it can be one of the hardest things for Christians to do, especially when we're not broken. There's no more sacrificial giving. It's all about you know, giving so we can get back. How about we give to people who they, they need it more than we do? When was the last time that you only had your last $20 in your pocket, but you saw somebody who was homeless that really needed it? Or maybe an ad came on TV to donate to maybe um, an organization, you know? When was the last time that we said, you know what, I am going to sow this seed into this person's life. I may need it right now, but that person needs it way more. Let's look at Jesus and the little boy who had his loaves of bread and his fish. And that was all he, that's all he had. That's all he had. But he was willing to sacrifice it and give it to God. He gave it to Jesus and Jesus was able to multiply it and feed many. And he was able to witness a miracle happen right before his eyes. When was the last time that we did something like that? Another area that shows brokenness is when we despise sin. When we despise sin, we should get to a point that we hate sin. That it literally stinks. We should get to that point. Sin should be of disgust to us. We want nothing to do with it. Another area that shows that we are broken or what brokenness means is that we are slow to anger. We are slow to anger. Bible says turn the other cheek. Someone does something that is annoying and they keep doing it. Sometimes they might do it the first time and you're like, okay, but what if that person keeps doing the same thing? Are we willing to, you know... To just show patience and keep forgiving. The Bible says if someone offends you seven times, you should forgive them seven times, seven times, seven times, seven. <laughs> so yes, brokenness means that we are slow to anger. Brokenness also means that we are quick to restitute. So if someone has done, if we've done something to someone else to hurt them, and we know that this is something that we did wrong. Brokenness will literally reflect when we go back and we make amends. We apologize. And sometimes we necessarily aren't in the wrong. But because we know the situation is maybe out of control. Or maybe um, we know it, we know Christ would do this. Jesus would want me to do this. So we go and we, we make amends. That's what it means to really what it means to be broken. Brokenness also means that you are willing to be humiliated, laughed at, ridiculed, talked about, and even persecuted for Jesus. Brokenness means that you're not too familiarized with everybody. 
this last one is a huge problem for a lot of Christians because we don't have any more we don't have boundaries. We use it we 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 say we're supposed to love everybody as like a a way to we use it as a way to want to be cool with everybody. We use it as a way to want to be to fit in with everybody, to be accepted by by everybody. The Bible says that we are not of the world. We are in it, but we are not of the world. We have no fellowship with darkness. And the truth is that we want to be so familiarized with everybody that we allow strange voices of the world to enter into our spiritual lives. And those verses are coming from the enemy, which also increases our spiritual battles and our spiritual attacks. So yes, we're to love everybody, bring them to Christ. But sometimes the Bible says that the angel, um, Satan himself, also masked himself as an angel of light, as an angel of light. So we have to be very careful. What is your purpose of wanting to grow or be close to a certain group of people? Sometimes it's not to draw them to Christ. Sometimes it's because we want to be cool and want to fit in and want to be accepted by them. We have to get to a point wherein we've done the work. There is a scripture in the Bible and I would and I would link it down in the info card so that I am right I'm speaking I'm referencing it verbatim. But there's a scripture in the Bible wherein Jesus talked about he said if you're going to their house to minister to them and they don't accept you. I'm just, you know, giving a, a briefing of it. If you're going to their house to minister to them and they don't accept you, pick up your shoes, dust it off, and proceed to the next. That was his instruction. But we want to be so cool. We want to fit in. We want everyone to think that, you know, we're cool too and, you know, we can do the same things that they they can do. Oh, you can wear that. I can wear that too. You can afford that. I can afford that too. I can afford it better. There's no sacrificial way of living anymore. Our needs, our wants are way higher than our needs now as a Christian. As a Christian, we're supposed to be modest in every area of our life. We're supposed to sacrifice all the desires and the wants of the flesh so we can truly walk through Christ. And we cannot be over familiarized with with everybody. We can't. Because like I said, it allows room for the enemy to come in and he will mask himself. Whatever he needs to do, he would do. His purposes are three of them. Kill, steal, and destroy. So he would do whatever he takes. He's very evil. He's very evil. He's evil. And we should not give him any room in our lives. Um, I want us now to talk about the fruits of the spirit real quick. The fruits of the spirit is love, joy, meekness, temperance, etc., right? So the fruits of the spirit, they operate under the understanding that self has been crucified. If your flesh hasn't been crucified, you will not be able to grow and you know, you won't be able to grow the fruit of the spirit and if your plant or your if your soil is not fertile, your plant cannot grow. So if you're not interested in growing as a Christian, which is basically what this means, if you're not interested in growing as a Christian, then God will not be able to use you because your interpretation is you are not interested in growing your relationship with God. It's just that simple. And no growth means stagnation. 
So I want us now to look at the benefits of brokenness. But before we look into the benefits of brokenness, I mentioned, I keep mentioning surface Christianity. And um, I want to talk about that a little more. Just because someone who is a Christian is enjoying financial prosperity, it doesn't mean that they're not experiencing defeat in their life. I want to make that clear because surface Christianity shows like, of course, what it means to surface. You're a Christian, you're thriving, you're well-known, you're popular, you're driving the latest car, you're dripped from head to toe in gold, chained, endowment, you look good, you have a big house. And we just feel like, oh, that's 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 what it means. That's that's what it means to be a Christian. God will add all these things unto us. And yes, prosperity is part of the gospel, but it is not the overall meaning of the gospel. The overall emphasis of the the gospel is to live a sacrificial lifestyle. Just because you can afford something doesn't mean you have to get it. That's where sacrifice comes in. It doesn't mean that because you choose to, you know, live modestly, it doesn't mean that because you choose to um, uh, maybe dress modestly, it doesn't mean that you're not capable of, you're not capable of buying all these material things. It doesn't mean that, it doesn't mean that, because I hear this a lot too, that maybe you're covering up because you're ashamed of your body. It doesn't mean that you're ashamed of your body because you cover up. But because we know who we serve and we know what it means to serve him, we choose to be sacrificial. We choose to die to our flesh. And that's what that means. I want us to go into the areas of our lives that must die at the cross. Area number one, our successes. It has to die to the cross. We are not taking any of those things here. Your degree, all the things that you've gotten here on earth, none of it is going with you. None of it is going with you. When we go face God on judgment day, none of it, 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 it won't even matter to him. He's not amused by those type of things. The only thing here that will matter to him is how you lived here on earth according to him. Number two, our religious experiences. You may have you know, performed miracles. The Bible says that a lot of people will say that they did many things in Jesus's name and God on that day will say, I did not know you. So all our experiences, the the theological certificates and all the things that we think we know, if we are not living, we're not applying those things into our lives, we're not living it out, we're not broken. All those things must die at the cross. Our worldly hopes and desires. So you wanting to be popular, you wanting to be famous, you wanting to have all the followers, you wanting to dress the way that these people online are dressing, you have to crucify that to the cross. Our troubles, our sorrows, our disappointments, bitterness, all of those things have to be crucified at the cross. Holding grudges, unforgiveness, rebellion, or vengeances, all of that has to be crucified at the cross. In order for God to truly use us, we have to crucify all these things at the cross. Now, um, I want us to look at Romans chapter 8, verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. That is from the New King James Version. Let us look at the New Living Translation. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. 
So you see, our sinful nature is hostile, is enmity against God. So we have to pick one. We can choose to either live a broken Christian life or we can choose to be live an unbroken Christian uh, live an unbroken Christian life. There are benefits to being broken. There are definitely benefits, there are rewards of being broken, a broken Christian. Let us look at Isaiah chapter 35 verse 8 to 9 in in the New Living Translation. It reads, and a great road will go through that once deserted land. It'll be named the highway of holiness. Evil-minded people will never travel on it. It'll be only for those who walk in God's ways. Fools will never walk there. Lions will not lurk along its course, nor any other ferocious beasts. There will be no other dangers. Only the redeemed will walk on it. Benefits of brokenness. Point one. God will make your enemies your footstool. He will make your enemies your footstool. Let us look at Luke chapter 20, verse 42 and 43. Now David himself said in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Benefit of brokenness is God will make your enemies your footstool. And you'll be able to walk on what is known as the highway of holiness. Point number three. You make room for God to exalt you and uplift you when you are broken. The only true exaltation and the only true upliftment does not come from the world. It comes from God. When God honors you, you are honorable. When God exalts you, you are exalted. When God uplifts you, you are uplifted. So when you are broken, you get those benefits. And the last point that I want to make is the Bible says that the flesh profited nothing. It is the spirit that quickeneth. So just keep that in mind. Let's talk about some characteristics of a broken life. Now that we've talked about the benefits that come with it. Characteristics, characteristics, excuse me, <laughs> can't talk. Characteristics of a broken life is number one, simplicity. Let us look at Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter one, verse twelve. For our boasting is this: the testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, and more abundantly toward you. So the key word in that scripture is simplicity and godly sincerity. So you see, those two work hand in hand. Simplicity is freedom. It is peace. So we can show our broken, our broken life through being simple. A broken Christian is a person who is simple. I'm going to tell you guys. I'm going to tell you guys a quick story, and I'm using I'm using this as an example. Um, I used to watch fashion videos back in the day and I would always hear like they, I used to watch like hauls on YouTube and I would hear the girls like I would watch like their haul videos and then I would watch like their vlogs. So I would see like they bunch of, they, they bought a whole bunch of clothes and then they're, they they'll try it on and you know talk about where they got it from and then I would watch maybe like their vlogs maybe two or three vlogs down the line and I would see that 
<laughs> they would be trying to pick out something to wear and they would always say this, oh my gosh, I have nothing to wear. I can't find anything to wear. I don't know what to wear. And it's crazy to me because I'm looking at their closet. I watched a video that they've done before and they have lots of clothes and I'm just like, nothing to wear, like wear. I don't see it. I see a lot of clothes. You know what I mean? And that's a problem though. These trends, these fashion trends, all these fashion lines and things like that, they all, they wear out. They wear out. There's like a new fashion style like every season. There are new things that are coming and that are leaving. Birkenstock weren't even a thing until like a few summers ago. If you wore Birkenstocks, let's say prior like in the year 2016, you'll probably be made fun of. And then like a few years down the line, everybody's wearing Birkenstocks. I don't know if you guys know what Birkenstocks are, but just Google it. Now everybody's wearing it and it's cute to wear them. You know what I mean? So these things, like they don't really show um, a simple nature. When you have a simple nature, you're comfortable with wearing wherever. You can literally wear the same clothes like every day and you're content with that. The Bible says that we should be content. I mean, even thinking about celebrities, celebrities, like they cannot be photographed in more than one outfit. They have to wear a different outfit every time you see them because they're going to be photographed. And if they wear that same outfit again, they're going to be made fun of. Like, why did you wear that shoe? We saw you wear that shoe that time ago. We show you where you wore this outfit before. You know what I mean? So we're not to be, we're not to imitate that. We're supposed to be simple-minded. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, that God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. So he's not a trend. He is the same way. He's consistent. A simple person doesn't care about designer clothes. They don't care about luxury. They don't care about affluence. They don't care about buying things just to impress, impress people. They don't care about keeping up with trends and all the lifestyle. They don't they, they don't care about none of, none of those things. And the Bible says that we're not supposed to be conformed to this world. So simplicity means that we're doing the opposite. We're doing the opposite. Number two, another characteristic of being a, of living a broken life is our attitude and our expressions. A broken person doesn't regard anything as his own, but he looks at everything as a gift from God. I watch Dave, Dave Ramsey. I watch him a lot. Um, and I learned so much from him financially. But there's one thing that he says, and he's, he has this consistent approach to a lot of the um, when, to a lot of the solutions that he offers to people. And I like that it's biblical. He says that we are stewards of the Lord's possessions. So everything that we have here on earth is not ours. We did not give it to ourselves. It's a gift from God. Same way looking at money, you know, the job, God didn't give it to us. And that's why we are asked. That's why we are told to tithe because God has given us this job and we're, we're, in, we're able to work and make an income. So giving a fraction back to him to say, thank you is not, it shouldn't be a big ordeal for us as Christians. So our attitude towards things, our expressions, they should be different. Your expression should change as a broken person an unbroken person will, will lash out and they would curse out whoever criticizes them. Um, they would receive godly correction as you are attacking them personally, you trying to subdue them. 
we have to be the opposite of that. A broken person receives criticism, they take it in, and they adjust. So how do we get broken? How do we die to our flesh every day? One, we have to surrender our lives to Jesus. We have to repent of our sins, of all known sins. Number two, through prayer, we have to pray to God to break us and mold us into the way that he wants us to be. We have to study our Bible. We have to get into the word. The word is our tool and it is also our weapon. We have to get back into the word. Through meditation, spending quiet time with God, making sure that we're spending quiet time and quality time with God. We're setting apart time in our day to make that time for God. Through fasting, the Bible says this kind does not go out except by prayer and by fasting. We have to fast. We have to fast to get rid of some of these issues and to really be broken and crucify our flesh to Christ and show a hunger for God. We have to engage in spiritual warfare. The Bible says that our ba- our battles, are, it's not against the flesh. Our battles are in the spirit realm. We're fighting against principalities. So we have to prepare ourselves for spiritual warfare. A lot of these battles are spiritual battles. We also have to take firm control of our mind. We have to control what we are putting into our mind and what is what is taking what we're imagining we have to take control of our mind lastly we have to crucify our flesh i just want to pray in closing this podcast episode because we've talked about this very important topic today and i want us to really I want God to be able to speak through us as we've listened to this and to really tell us what he wants us to to know. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, as we've come before you, as we are in your presence right now, as we've listened, O Lord God, to this message, as we've learned, O Heavenly Father, we just ask that you help us, O Lord God, to help us to put this into practice in our lives. Your word says that we have to be broken, that we have to die to our flesh daily so that you can be able to use us. We ask, Heavenly Father, that we not we do not put ourselves, we do not appear as stiff-necked. We don't harden our hearts to your word. That we release ourselves so that we're able to crucify our flesh, Heavenly Father, onto the cross and that we can be able to allow you to use us in the way that you want us to, to use us. That we can live a life that you want, our Heavenly Father. You want us to live. We want to say thank you, Heavenly Father, for having us come and listen to a message like this. Because it's not by our doing, it is by your doing that we were able to come and receive a message like this. We want to say thank you, our Heavenly Father, because this wasn't a coincidence. But you have ordained our steps. And there's a purpose for why we are listening. We have listened to this today. Use this message, your Heavenly Father, to build us up and build your kingdom and let your name forever be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to take the opportunity to pray for anybody who hasn't yet surrendered their life to Jesus. Just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge my sins and turn away from them now. 
Jesus, I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. Come into my life. Take total control of my life. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've prayed that prayer, I believe that you've become born again. And you are welcome into the kingdom of God.